everyone. Welcome to Risk Roundup. As digital technology fundamentally transforms the innovation cycle, it seems that there is a disconnect between the demand for innovation in digital technology and the ability to execute the development successfully. The growing demand for digitalization has increased a need for the newest and best software package by not only consumers, but each and every entity across nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia. This growing demand is driving software developers to take shortcuts, use outdated code, or not fully test new products in order to get the product to the market or end user quickly. This raises the risk of software that are not sufficiently vetted against security vulnerabilities or system compatibility. In addition, there are older versions of many softwares that are in use across nations with its outdated operating systems, which have either already become unsupported by the respective vendors or at some point in the near future would become unsupported. These raises critical risk, critical security risk as such security vulnerabilities will likely go unpatched and they will often be the first vulnerable spot cyber criminals will focus on when trying to obtain access to the systems across entities. To discuss the software security risk and security first architecture, I'm delighted to welcome Ananta Bangalore. Ananta is a chief technology officer and a principal architect of an award-winning patented security solution. Welcome Ananta, we are delighted to have you on Risk Roundup. Thank you. Well, so Ananta, would you like to give a little background about your initiatives that we were just uh, talking before the session about uh, the technology that you have developed and the startup uh, that you are working with. Uh, would you like to give some background on that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, we started a security part company called SCED, and it stands for Self-Cleansing Intrusion Tolerance. So fundamentally, what we believe that intrusions are inevitable, which you know most people believe. Uh, and when intrusions are, uh, occur, bad guys are in the system for days, weeks, and months. And then uh, once the bad guys are in the system, typically they are very hard to detect because you know they hide their uh, tracks well. You know, making sure that you know any of these sort of your IDS, IPS, FRs don't pick them up. We also know from all the attacks that have been happening recently, whether it's your target or Anthem or OPM attacks, you know, by the time the bad guys were identified in the system, it took a substantial long period of time. Mandiant says it's about eight months before the bad guys are actually identified. So clearly there is a lot of time for them to do in a substantial amount of damage, steal things, etc. So we thought of actually fundamentally looking at security from a different perspective, right? So in detection has always been a hard problem, right? And the problem is, I think these days, attackers have a lot more tools uh, at their disposal in terms of uh, you know, new Trojan kits, you know, all sorts of toolkits, which allows them to generate new malware. Uh, in fact, um, uh, I think Mc McAfee says almost 100,000 new malware every day, right? So it is very hard for detection-based systems to sort of keep track with those kind of signatures, right? In, in order to sort of uh, find new things. So fundamentally, uh, moving target defense is sort of a new area of cybersecurity, which is focuses on making um, making it much harder for the attacker uh, to get a foothold in your system, right? And SCID is sort of based on the notion 
of using fault tolerance uh, for cybersecurity. And the goal here is, if you were to constantly change the attack surface uh, of, uh, of your system, then we are making it harder. So basically what Skid fundamentally does is, we constantly uh, revert your system back to a known pristine state. And when we, and we are talking about, you know, if we could do this in minutes, uh, we could do it in a few hours, depending upon the, you know, it, it all depends upon, uh, you know, uh, uh, how much you want to protect your crown jewels, right? Because there is a little bit of cost associated with some of these things. And, and so, but the idea here is to constantly rotate your system to pristine state, which basically means an attacker gets into your system, uh, then they're kicked out, which means they have to redo their work. Now, the side uh, effect of this is because you're forcing them to redo their work, uh, your existing uh, reactive systems, such as your IDS and IPS, are more likely to pick up that activity than if this were not. So that's sort of the overall concept of uh, SCIP. No, that, that is a very good information, and I think this would be very useful for the security community. But let me ask you, how effective is this software that you have developed, this technology? I mean, we believe it's quite effective, and we have used it so far. Uh, SCIP's been implemented in a variety of ways. Uh, at, uh, at Army, uh, we have implemented this uh, at uh, Spaywar, uh, which is Navy, as well, uh, and, a, and a couple of different uh, types of systems, uh, data ingestion systems. Uh, we are currently working on uh, so doing some experimental uh, study on applying this to the Navy Tactical Cloud. Uh, we have applied this to, uh, for example, DNS type systems. Uh, we have applied this to you know typical e-commerce type web systems as well. So. We find this to be extremely uh, effective in terms of, uh, in, in fact, um, uh, we just had a, 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 a Telos, which is a company which is based out in Washington, D.C., which supports the, the DOD community quite a bit in terms of security, penetration testing, things like that. So they just uh, did an evaluation or system. The challenge there was, uh, you know, we uh, had a three gigabyte uh, file that was uh, hiding behind a you know a web server, a Tomcat-based application system, and our challenge to the uh, Telos people were okay, steal this basically, right? And we on purpose uh, created a uh, had a uh, uh, you know a Tomcat server that was not patched, which had known vulnerabilities in it, uh, and we also told them look uh, how Skit works and you know that they have to expect a certain rotation, so. The as, as part of the test, they got in and they were able to find the vulnerability uh, and they started stealing the file. They had they wrote a script and they started stealing the file. But guess what? They constantly get kicked off again, okay? so they had to redo their script. So something that would have taken them one or two attempts to steal the uh, uh, the file, they had to make hundreds of attempts to be able to get it. So clearly, and this was, I mean, this because they actually knew how Skit worked and so they were able to constantly modify it. But, uh, imagine if this were uh, running and people actually know didn't know this was running. So this would be making life a lot harder. So even in terms of data exfiltration, which doesn't prevent data exfiltration, but it is making it so much more harder for the attackers to steal uh, large amounts of data, right? And so if there, we had an IDS system uh, in front of Skid right now as part of this test, the IDS system would have seen, okay, there's somebody making too many attempts here, and there's something hinking going on. So the point is, and I'd be happy to share this study with you. In fact, uh, we have it uh, uh, published, and I can be shared it with you. 
so that's a, a, a one use case as to how sleep can help in sort of some of these new things that are happening in terms of the attacks and stuff. No, that is very, I think, useful information because these attackers, like you say, that if they are not able to stay on the system after hacking for a longer time and they have to continuously, you know, try to get into the system, that would prevent a lot of damage that they could do if they were there for a longer time. So uh, most certainly, you know, I would like to uh, evaluate all the information that you can provide me. Uh, and that is, I think, you know, very useful uh, initiative that you are working on. And uh, uh, good luck for that uh, to you. And uh, so let's start our discussion now. Uh, what are your observations and thoughts? on growing demand for digital technology and software industry's ability to cope with its demand design and delivery? So, uh, I mean, clearly, you know, I think as you rightly pointed out in the intro, right, I mean, clearly the demand for sort of the digital delivery in terms of, in terms of what people want to see uh, is growing. Yeah. But I think uh, the problem is uh, security is still, in my opinion, sort of treated as sort of the ugly stepchild, uh, you know, in the sense that it's still not being given the importance it needs to be given, right? Uh, Bruce Shiner, I don't know if you've heard of Bruce Shiner, is a very, uh, you, know, you know, popular man in the encryption community. He, uh, he, had a, he has a saying, he says, um, if you give the users a choice between uh, dancing pigs and security, they will always pick dancing pigs. Right. I mean, that's sort of that's sort of where the motivation is. I mean, that's where you know, in, in especially in this today's world of agile development, wherein there are two weeks crumbs, uh, and so the focus is fundamentally largely around uh, you know, sort of the functionality and and DevOps is clearly gaining a lot of traction. Again, when people talk about DevOps, they're more more usually only talking about DevOps in the con in the context of you know more frequent uh, uh, releases to production, but Security is always sort of short change. Yes. Security is an afterthought, and you know people are just focused on functionality. You are absolutely right. Now, uh, for the benefit of our global viewers and listeners, can you describe the creation of a software or system architecture just very briefly? What is the process that uh, involves the security? I mean, software or system architecture. Yeah, so basically, in terms of creating a software system architecture, the process, I mean, I can sort of give you examples on how it's done you know, in the federal government when I spend a lot of time on it. Uh, you know, it's basically, it's it's uh, going, you know, three-tier architecture, uh, you know, basically going from uh, making sure that you have user stories, you know, for uh, various pieces, and then you you create story points, and you know agile is used heavily, and then you make sure your acceptance criteria and all those all of those things that you have to do in terms of breaking it up into various chunks and making sure that each of those chunks are are done. There is a buy off, all that stuff. So that's all, all good things, right? And making sure that DevOps, you know, in fact these days DevOps being uh, I think is a really good thing, right? Because having that platform ability to sort of uh, release things uh, in, in terms of having continuous integration, continuous uh, deployment, having automated testing as part of your release cycles. That's also uh, something that we do a lot, which is also extremely important. Automation testing, which is part of your DevOps framework, is also extremely important in terms of regression testings or unit testings or any kind of other functionality testing. All of those things are fantastic, right? Uh, in, in, uh, some of, in, we are also bringing in things like uh, what Netflix has done. I think Netflix has been in the forefront of doing this concept of using something like Chaos Monkey, for example wherein you are able to do some, you know, you, you know, sort of you assume that your systems are always going to fail and then, you know, sort of uh, put, uh, 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 testing against, uh, testing for failure 
or fail fast. So you can actually design systems to be much more resilient is also something that we've been doing. So from a system development perspective, this is sort of the things that we do in terms of, uh, you know, pushing things uh, or developing things. Uh, but the challenge, like, I mean, to go back to what I was saying, the challenge being the amount of time to integrate, do uh, appropriate security testing is still fundamentally a problem. And the problem is security also doesn't lend itself into sort of this DevOps type framework very easily though. You could do security testing in terms of a, you know, in integrating a static code analyzer, right? Making sure as part of your development uh, uh, process, you are doing, you know, a, a, a static, an a, using a static analyzer, doing some security testing. Problem is, static analyzers, 90% are false positive because there's no context, right? And then you could potentially be fixing problems which uh, may not be real problems at all. Now, is that a efficient uh, way of spending time? You know, it's, it, you know, probably not, right? And then you have dynamic testing, which is a little bit more time consuming because now you're looking at penetration testing type stuff. And that actually doesn't really cover all the possible scenarios, right? Because it can, you can only test, you can't really test all the possible paths of your program. You're going to test a few, few, you know, you know, few scenarios only. So that's the problem of having to do a comprehensive security testing that can be integrated into these sort of two week or three week sprints is just a very hard concept. And hence, uh, you actually have to rethink in terms of building security into the platform itself. And that's why we believe something like scared because especially given today's, uh, you know, everybody, right? Including uh, federal government wants to be like Facebook. They want to be releasing 50 releases per day, right? Which basically means there are going to be, you will have some vulnerabilities that's going to get released. That's just going to happen, right? So if you assume that because you want to have these fast releases and you're going to have to deal with some vulnerabilities, then if you had something like a skit underneath that, at least you're making it harder for the attacker to take advantage of those vulnerabilities. Does it make sense? Yes, yes, absolutely. No, I understand that. Now, it seems that uh, there are multiple frameworks and multiple different methodologies to for software or system architecture. And it is said that the choice of architecture methodology can increase security efficiency or diminish it. What process is used by entities across industries when it comes to choosing the architecture methodology? Is it specific to any particular sector or an industry? Yeah, so it, it depends, right? I mean, again, uh, in terms of methodology, people use various uh, you know, standards to measure against, right? For example, uh, in the federal government, they use 853. 853 is the NIST standard, which is sort of used as, uh, for controls uh, to measure the security uh, com you know, in terms of how secure a system is. So there are various controls. Uh, clearly, there is a PCI in terms of when you go to the financial sector, right? Uh, so there are sort of these various standards that people use, and we also use other standards such as something called NIAP, which is a, which is a DISA or NSA-based uh, 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 compliance. Um, so that sort of it, so it varies industry to industry as to what they say or what they want to use in terms of uh, how you know in terms of in terms of compliance. But compliance is only the starting point, right? Basically, I think we are at a point, and we know in, in terms of what we are seeing that. Um, if you are only going to secure a system based upon a particular uh, standard of compliance, that clearly is not going to work. And we've seen that. So my perspective is compliance is just a starting point. Don't ignore that. But if you think that you're safe because you're mapping against this standard or this standard, clearly that's not working anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think there is a growing awareness that, you know, hey, just because I'm compliant with 853 means I'm secure. Absolutely not. You have to go a lot more beyond that.
That is very true. Now, how would you define that this is a good security architecture? If you were a decision maker, what what would make you feel that, you know, looking at all the different uh, architectures that are out there and the process that you go through to choose the which one to use, what how would you define that, okay, this is a good uh, security architecture? Yeah, so basically you have to do the fundamentals in terms of defining security architecture, right? I mean, you want to make sure that you have, uh, you know, if I would look at things, for example, these days, instead of trying to sort of boil the ocean and start to you know, implement all sorts of uh, expensive tools, I would sort of start really start looking at the data side, right? First, you want to have a reasonable, you need to have, uh, you need to know what you have in terms of assets. I would start from there. I mean, it's amazing how many uh, companies and organizations don't even know what kind of assets do they have. And I, in terms of assets, I'll sort of classify them, you know, uh, data, uh, your application in terms of what applications you have, right? I'll sort of uh, make sure that I have a good understanding of those assets. Once I have that, then I would sort of then, uh, let's look at data, for example. All data doesn't need to have the same level of security. So, uh, you know, and sort of classify them based on, you know, what kind of security I need to apply and sort of look at this and then correspondingly, uh, uh, you know, make some, what do you call, uh, uh, sort of add uh, 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 controls, make sure that, okay, this is my crown jewels. I need to add a lot more security around this. You know, I would sort of make those things. Um, authentication authorization is clearly as two-factor authentication is again another area where I would put a lot of attention because a lot of the issues that we've had is because of poor hygiene in terms of uh, you know having uh, lousy passwords, uh, uh, you know, and you know things that are not paid a lot of attention even today. So. Uh, making sure that two-factor authentication is implemented in some, you know, is, is also uh, sort of critical in, for a for a uh, for an organization, right? So, data security, authentication, authorization, uh, compliance is another area, right? A lot of things happen these days in, in compliance, wherein people, uh, you know, instant people install a server, and they go there, you know, well, I am going to open a firewall port here, and they forget about this. Uh, bringing in automation, right? Using new tools such as Chef and Puppet and Ansible, wherein uh, you are no longer provisioning these servers manually. You're using these tools, which can then be, you know, you can version control these things and they're all to a particular standard. So when I bring up a, a server uh, with, uh, you know, X operating system and this version of the software, one, there is standardization. Two, I'm also making sure that you know I'm not going there and manually opening this port because it's all set to a particular standard, and there is a little more security around those things. So these are all the various things I would do uh, in terms of uh, creating a security architecture. And when I look at the tools again, I think also I would, I would, I would you know when when my software guys when they want to implement and they want to go, hey, I want to use Angular, I want to use Node. I mean, these are all new technologies that are out there. I mean, very very sexy. They make you. Your interface look really good, but I want to also ask the hard questions, right? Saying, great, but uh, I also want to understand what the security vulnerabilities are. I want to ask the hard questions and you know, what kind of security testing has been done on this stuff? You know, what is the community saying out there? What kind of testing we have to do instead of just making a choice purely based on, you know, the look and feel of something. Those are sort of the things that I would look into in terms of security architecture. No, that is good information. And I think that's a good way of uh, dealing with the uh, security software and architecture. Now, uh, Ananta, you know that, uh, and I think probably everyone uh, acknowledges this, that most developers have a very poor understanding of security and have never been incentivized to fundamentally think of incorporating security into the design of any software or a system. 
what are your observations so far you know dealing with so developers that are working with you or you know for you uh, over the years that's exactly right problem is even in the computer science curriculum of most universities uh, there is hardly any emphasis put on secure coding uh, unfortunately, and so what happens is a lot of the kids come out of school and then they can program, but they don't know what it means to write secure code. And there is no incentivization around it, right? Like I said, fundamentally, the emphasis has always been functionality. Uh, in your, in my near, in near, typically, when you look at your sort of uh, user stories around two week sprints, there's a lot of emphasis on, 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 on functionality, but there's very little where it talks about security at all. And on the flip side of this, the security folks in most organizations, you know, don't come from a, tr a programming background. They're, they either come from a sort of a compliance uh, uh, background or they are system admin types who sort of make the transition into security. And what happens is, you know, in any given organization, uh, when, you know, they're about to sort of really make a release to production, uh, the security folks run some kind of a tool. I mean, everybody has a tool, they run a tool, but they're really not able to sort of uh, classify the results in any kind of meaningful way. Uh, and then they go to the developers and develop, ask developers, hey, what do you think? This says it's a critical, what do you think? And, and the developers, um, you know, will say, well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, they'll say it's a false positive. So either it sort of gets missed because, you know, they tend to, even if it, you know, they'll tend to wrongly classify things. Uh, and there is also no real understanding of well, you know, what's a real problem, what's not a real problem, right? How do you how do you figure that out, right? And then what testing do you do to actually figure that out? How do you incorporate cyber security testing as part of your development environment? A lot of these kind of things don't exist from a process perspective. It's mostly based on tools, right? Now they run a tool, the tool says something, they go fix it. Nobody actually understands if those things are real or not. And then, you know, they say, hey, we are fine, we are secure. There's a false sense of security, and then things get pushed. So that gap has to be bridged. Now, some of it is education, right? But there also has to be an understanding that uh, from the from the, uh, the CEO level that, look, there is going to be a time commitment that's involved uh, in order to make sure your system is secure, which means there is to be time commitment involved for more comprehensive cyber security testing. Yes, yes. No, and your observation is very uh, to the point that you know when they are going through the college in the college curriculum there is nothing about security so students are not learning that and that is a cause of concern i think we need to pay attention to uh, integrating security as a part of the curriculum so that you know students who are learning how to do programming and coding they learn how to make it secure right from there so that is something uh, we'll have to work with and uh, we'll have to see how we can integrate that into the education system but now uh, Ananda, there are so many different security methodologies security centric methodologies so choosing which security centric methodology to follow for software development is crucial as it will be the basis on which a security architect will potentially have to work with for many many years the wrong security framework can lead to a great headache for software engineers and can lead to very poor security positions. Can you share with our global viewers and listeners what are the existing methodologies for security-centric architecture that are widely used and that are you know, very effective? So from my perspective, from what I've seen, there is really uh, there is no standardization on this Jayashree. I mean, people sort of uh, use them, you know, sort of, it's, it's very scattered, right? So uh, people tend to follow, I mean, you know, things like defense in depth and things, these are sort of commonly understand ways of applying security. 
uh, in in but uh, it's not applied in any kind of a uniform way even even in the federal government right even within various agencies within the federal government uh, they there is no common uh, standard in which or a common security framework that they apply it's it's largely based on okay well we know we understand there has to be defense in depth which means i need to make sure there is uh, security at the perimeter i need to make sure there are enough for coverage you know for the uh, there is sort of uh, a separation of services etc uh, etc et so sort of sort of the normal things people do um, but I think we need to get smarter than that, I think. And that's why I think fundamentally a few things that we need to look into. And you will see that most people, when they recommend these days, they, they say, look at data. Data, I mean, what are you trying to protect, right? You look at data first. Why don't you look at data and then go from there, sort of work backwards and saying, you don't want to apply all the same level of security to everything else. So look at data first. And then uh, there are also critical things. I mean, there are also sort of fundamental things you have to do uh, is things like um, two-factor authentication. You know, don't rely on... Uh, passwords, uh, you know, make sure, uh, you know, uh, these days, yeah, uh, systems are, don't live in isolation. Every system is linked to many other systems and you may be completely, uh, you know, you may have the best security around system, uh, but guess what? You're also touching lots of other systems in the outside world. For example, the OPM attack, right? OPM attack was uh, the bad guys were able to get in the system because they compromised the, the, uh, the credentials of a contractor. The contractor was not maintaining proper hygiene in terms of uh, username and password. They were able to get in there, jump into something that as uh, sort of uh, critical uh, as the OPM network and able to get those. So this is the problem though, right? The problem I see is people are, it is sort of being applied in a very haphazard way. Uh, patching is another, right? I mean, everybody says, uh, you know, good hygiene means you got to be able to patch your systems. Uh, it doesn't happen because there are. It's not that easy of a problem because if you patch a system, that system may potentially break, and that has you know, which means there's more money involved in trying to fix that. So what happens is they'll try to ignore it, and not enough importance is given to those patches. So there are a lot of issues uh, in terms of uh, in terms of applying a framework or a methodology, and it's usually sort of it's sort of make it up as you go, basically, in, from what I have seen. Yeah, no, that is the challenge because, like you said, that you know there are no standards and everyone has their own different methodology and uh, cybersecurity is something where you know even if your security is strong but if there are you know other vulnerabilities with the vendors or suppliers or contractors then you know it doesn't matter if your system is secured or not because you are at risk so that is a very critical risk and i think uh, there needs to be effort to develop some common standards common global standards for security architecture so that you know everyone has you know responsibility and accountability to develop you know very secured uh, architecture and very secure framework so uh, i hope that you know uh, and nations uh, uh, work towards that and uh, we'll have to wait and see how that goes forward but now it seems many methods have been suggested over the years for security architecture each has a similar goal build security into the system as a part of the architecture many times security is bolted onto the end of software or system development or as an upgrade after the system is completed each framework and taxonomy has a different way of representing the security elements of the system now this is a i mean we know this is a problem when you make security as an afterthought and when it is not integrated right from the beginning so what are your observations when you work with uh, your clients or when you work with you know other uh, corporations 
uh, how what what do you feel is you know everyone's you know effort towards uh, we talked you know briefly that you know everyone is focused on functionality and security is not much more of a focus with uh, everyone because there's so, there is so much rush to let out your applications or softwares or programs that you know they don't people normally don't focus about security so would you what are your observations about that i think so i think but i think here is i think it's changing i think it all comes down to accountability i think for a long period of time the accountability on security you know was in the hands of uh, you know not even at a CISO level it was really sort of deeply buried under you know, some kind of a security architect or security person down below the chain. And there was really no accountability if bad things happen to the, C, you know, the CEO level, right? Clearly that's changing now because there is a clearly, uh, the CEOs are now being held accountable uh, in terms of bad things that are happening to shareholders and even in the government organizations, the directors of various agencies. So that is a great start, which means there is going to be a much more focused approach towards security. There is going to be a better understanding of what the risks are and what they have to do. Uh, so that is a really positive moment that's going on. There's also talk about CISOs now being directly, uh, you know, attached to the COOs uh, because there is a it's the money. Right? Ultimately, it all comes down to money, and uh, you know, and so I, it, there is some movement going towards there, which means there's going to be more money flowing towards security. And so, uh, because as you know, security is a is a is a is a question of risk, right? And it's 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 always hard to sort of quantify that risk. For an organization, clearly, right? So now I think there is a better understanding, and I think uh, that sort of uh, conversation is fundamentally changing. It's a lot easier for somebody like me to go and make that argument without having to do a business case of the risk, and uh, you know. And so I, I think that's changing, in my opinion. And I, I think that's going, that's probably what's going to sort of. Yeah. Uh, allow people to bring in more innovation into security because clearly, as you might have seen, right? Innovate, bringing innovation to security is always hard. Though people don't like the hey, it's working. Why do I have to pay more money for a tool that uh, you know? Because I may not see the benefits. Well, you know, that's the problem. Security, right? <laughs> and, and but I think clearly the understanding that uh, yes, you need more innovation. You need to start thinking things differently. Uh, this is a this is a big challenge. It's a question of uh, a lot of uh, companies do understand. It's a question of uh, when and that's not a question of if anymore, basically. Yes, and no, I, I do see some positive signs, but it still seems that security is still viewed as the job of the security division. In addition, it is widely believed that security hinders company innovation, productivity, and limits the ability of the business to take risk. I mean, that also we see that even in, I mean, there are, you know, sporadic cases where we see that, you know, there are positive signs that, you know, they are uh, taking security very, uh, uh, you know, very strongly and they want to make a difference. So, but what do you think enterprises should be doing differently? You know, as we talked, you know, uh, in the last few minutes that, you know, we need to make sure that, you know, security is part of the software development right from the beginning. We have to choose the right frameworks, right methodology. But what else enterprises can be can do to make sure that, you know, security is not just a part of the security division? Because see, security, cybersecurity, geospace security and space security, everything is integ integrated now because of the connected computers and uh, computer code and internet, that everything is connected. I mean, what we are not just talking about cybersecurity, we are talking about the physical security of the infrastructure 
and everything that we have de developed on, in the geospace that we are talking about it that is also integrated and the space satellites are also integrated with the security so what uh, the software is what they are developing they are so critical that you know it's very important for them to understand that what they are putting in what they are releasing to the public or to the enterprises or the government or the, all the entities across NGI way that it is not just going to impact the cyber security it's going to impact the physical geo security as well as the space security so what should enterprises be doing you know to make sure that you know they are doing everything in their power Absolutely. So I think uh, you make a great point, right? I think because security has also been fundamentally treated as a, as a technology problem, right? It's not a technology, it's a business problem. It's a, it's a, you know, so I think fundamentally the, um, the leaders of the or various organizations, heads of the various organizations need to be brought in early on and then, and then talk about the risks involved here, like you say. Uh, you know, there, the systems are, you know, widely interconnected, uh, you know, uh, you, you have one system, then you have access to lots of other systems. So that uh, understanding of risk uh, within your system, within your enterprise is what may happen. And should we sort of, you sort of start off from there, make sure that the shareholders of your company and the CEO of the company, they're sort of brought, you know, you sort of uh, talk to them in the, you know, make sure that this is a critical piece of what needs to happen, not just a, uh, something that somebody has to do, right? A lot of CEOs think, "Hey, security, what? What are you? you know, security was not built in. What are you? What are you talking about, right? I mean, they, but that's that's not the conversation. They need to be brought in early on. They need to be talked about risks, and you need to tell them of all the various risks that are part of what might happen. And then from that point onwards, I think it gets better in terms of the investment that needs to be made, in terms of the time that needs to be made, in terms of building, making sure uh, things are done." Uh, uh, you know, in terms of how systems are built, in terms of security being integrated uh, across the enterprise uh, in a top-down way, right? Because this has to be ultimately a top-down uh, conversation. It cannot just be a, a technology conversation that's just coming from the bottom when people are just adding on new tools and firewalls. It can be at that level. It has to come from the top-down level. There has to be a fundamental understanding of risks involved here in terms of all the various things that can happen. I mean. And then you have a basis for making sure that the right things are applied across the entire enterprise, basically. Yes, no, I think it's very true. And uh, the challenge is that, uh, in spite, I mean, even though we see that you know there is some positive uh, development across uh, many organizations, many most decision makers still view security as a technology problem, like you said, and uh, they think that the one this can be solved by buying a few off-the-shelf uh, software, you know, packages. So that is still a challenge, and it will take time. Uh, to overcome the, those challenges and to uh, you know go towards something very constructive and positive for the security community. So uh, I, I think Anita, you are very involved with the security first architecture. So can you uh, define what I mean? Just say very briefly for our benefit of our global viewers and listeners, what is a security first architecture and why does it matter? Uh, I mean, clearly, a security-first architecture, from my perspective, right? When we right now, when we design a system, fundamentally, the the we, this, we start the conversation around, you know, you know, what uh, frameworks do we need to use for, you know, in terms of building our system, uh, you, you know, uh, how can we make this better? Well, we talk about mobile responsive. We talk about all of these, uh, you know, great things, right? I mean, we even we talk about cloud. 
a lot of people mistakenly assume, okay, I'm going to Amazon, well, I'll be secure because Amazon is providing security. It doesn't quite work that way, basically, right? Uh, because, for example, people really don't have an understanding, for example, well, Amazon is infrastructure provider, which means they are responsible for only such and such. The application is still your responsibility, right? Uh, some people understand what those uh, differences are between infrastructure as a service, platform as a service, software as a service, as a service roles and responsibilities and things like that. But a lot of people don't. Uh, same when they go into mobile first, they go, oh, you know, I want to create a, a mobile first, uh, uh, what do you call, uh, 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 system, which means I want to use uh, jQuery, I want to use Angular, I want to use Node, I want to use all of these wonderful frameworks that are out there uh, that will make my site really look. Same thing around backend systems. Very rarely have I come across where you know, people ask the question, okay, you want to use Node, can you tell me is not secure? What testing has been done around there? Uh, how many, you know, how many times has anybody sort of uh, broken Node or take vulnerabilities that exist in uh, Node? Uh, you know, it's an open source software. What sort of the patching mechanism here? These are not questions that are asked upfront. Though these are asked, I mean, these are maybe asked questions a lot of later on in the process. But at that point, it's too late for you to go change some of these things. It's too big then. Uh, fundamentally, I think those are some of the things that we should pay a little more attention. I think you should have the security person, even when we talk about DevOps and then there is security is being integrated within DevOps, but it is still, uh, they are not brought into the picture during the architecture, uh, uh, during the, you know, when in actually designing the system. Designing the system is still being done by your uh, architect who really does not have a security background, is much more of a systems architect. And that kind of a conversation, I think, needs to occur right from the design conceptual phase. And the security person has to be involved there. And they have to be asking these tough questions, saying, why? And then I do believe if you're asking those questions, you may have to have a trade-off, though. You may not get the sexiest things, but you'll be more secure. And But it, that kind of a trade-off discussion needs to happen. From, my, uh, from what I see right now, that rarely happens at this point. I see. I see. No, you're right. Uh, now, is there a framework that provides security first architecture is there a specific framework for that as far as i can tell there is no security there is no framework that allows you to build in security and sort of build it down though in terms of all of your you know you know if you're in terms of ea architecture frameworks uh, i mean there is a security piece to it whether it's you know your uh, togaf or jackman and all these things but i haven't come across wherein you sort of look at this from a different perspective and build it in so unfortunately now what framework organizations follow commonly are the frameworks industry specific uh, what is your observation you know working with uh, the industry so far uh, I, I mean, I think if, uh, if, if you're talking specifically around architecture frameworks. Uh, security. 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 Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think the frameworks tend to be, uh, right, more, uh, the, when we say framework, you know, they tend to be driven mostly by the standards, right, in terms of uh, uh, what 853 says, and then you apply those controls correspondingly, or what a, uh, a you know, sort of the PCI you know, controls say, and you apply that correspondingly. Uh, I think the energy sector has also something that is kind of similar. And they, so that sort of drives, uh, you know, your security framework in general, because it all comes down to what's the compliance I need to achieve, right? That's how the conversation occurs as opposed to having a real framework. And then people apply various controls to mitigate what the control, you know, to match, map those things. And that's sort of how the conversation evolves. Uh, there's really no sort of broad framework that sort of spans multiple industries from what I can tell. Yeah, 
I see. I see. So what I hear is that there is no global standard for security sample architecture. Okay. Now, how do enterprises across industries leading the development of open methodologies for managing security risk? I mean, there are many different you know approaches out there. Well, how do they do that? I mean, like I said, basically from my, I mean, from what I can tell you from my experience is, uh, you know, like they sort of follow the common common methodologies, right? Whether it's uh, sort of taking a defense in depth approach, uh, whether it's making sure that, uh, you know, you know, making sure that uh, you have uh, coverage across the various layers, uh, whether it's a separation of uh, 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 controls, you know, you know, tiered arch uh, you know, architecture. Uh, in whether it's uh, encryption of data in rest and data in motion. I mean, sort of these typical things that people do that people follow in some fashion, right? And that's sort of what I see from my perspective, basically. Okay. Let me stand. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, I, I, I understand, you know, what you're saying. So do enterprises across industries speak in one language concerning their security risk using the standard taxonomy or terminology, or you see many different, you know, terms that are out there? I see many, there are many terms out there. There are, I mean, there are some common terms that people use. I mean, I think, I mean, let me, let, so there is, uh, I think there is a reasonable understanding of the terminology. I don't think the terminology vastly varies from industry to industry in terms of security risks and security, uh, right? I mean, most people sort of follow, you know, you know, whether it's, you know, the CISSP stuff, right? I mean, things that people go through and get certified. I mean, mostly it's sort of across industries, it's fairly common. I mean, I like the only thing I've seen that changes is, the, the standards that people use to in terms of the controls that they have to map uh, across industry to industry. But the terminology itself is fairly, you know, uh, fairly consistent, I think. I don't see a large variation in understanding of terminology from industry to industry. Okay. Okay. Now, I mean, uh, we know that there is a great eagerness and excitement around building mobile first architecture or cloud first architecture, but there is very little talk about building security first architecture. And that is a great challenge, you know, that we are facing that you know, security is not the focus of uh, pretty much any entity across, uh, you know, nations, government, industries, organizations, academia. So that is a cause of concern. Uh, but we have to make efforts like what we are, you know, doing right now to create more awareness, more education so that people understand the criticality of the, you know, security and they can uh, start thinking about, you know, security in a serious manner. So. Uh, it seems that many proposals coming out of the government and industry for application development have very little requirements on security. I mean, in spite of uh, going through all these, you know, very visible hacks that, you know, we have seen across uh, nations, there, there is still, you know, not, I mean, when you receive requirement, there is not any focus on you know about uh, requirements on the security so far irrespective of whether it's government or industry absolutely i think what's in a uh, you know exactly right what happens is when they put out a requirement for a particular application security is really part of the requirement security is usually handled as a separate uh, uh, proposal that's handled by the security team which doesn't make any sense anymore uh, and so and usually the security proposals that come out are sort of a catch-all saying and they will have something for example around applicant security as part of the security but that to me illustrates a fundamental problem in thinking right it's still being viewed as a separate from your application development for a lot of organizations because they still haven't gotten around to thinking now this is an integral part of the whole thing. You really can't separate these functions out. You really have to think about this in a holistic way, and that is being reflected in terms of, uh, you know, especially in the federal government, from what I can tell. That's in terms of what the proposals when the proposals come out, basically. 
Yes. Now, many enterprises use detection-based approaches for security. While the implementation of continuous monitoring has greatly improved the security posture of many systems, these approaches rely heavily on detection strategies. However, this comes with its own risk. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I think that's basically, uh, fundamentally, that's the sort of the point I'm trying to make is base, uh, detection approaches is not working though. So, you know, the continuous monitoring clearly has improved, right? Especially with now with big data uh, being a little more heavily used, you're able to look at a lot more data items and you're able to look at, you know, look at various items. Though. But here is the problem. The number of false positives is still extremely high. And then you don't have enough people within your security organization to go through all of these alerts, even if you have a SIM you're still looking at a fairly high number of uh, alerts that are coming down the pike and you just don't have enough manpower here to be able to actually look at all these alerts, right? So that's a big problem and challenge that you have. And on top of that, if you add that there are more than 100,000 new malwares that are coming out from the wire, you have a serious challenge here, which is, you know, you need to really look at a different way of handling that. So, and that's why I think detection, while it, you know, it is working, but it's really not working all the time. And we can solely rely on detection-based systems to help us out these days. We need to really be thinking, enhance something like SCIT, uh, which I talked about before, uh, helps you sort of look at security in a different way. How do we fundamentally make it harder for the attacker? To take yeah. advantage, right? Whether it's like I mentioned about skid, when you're sort of constantly rotating the pristine state, there are other things that are there going on in terms of uh, dynamically hop IP hopping. Uh, people are talking about sort of uh, uh, changing the code during runtime. So there are these things that are going on within the moving target defense community, which I think is sort of where the future is going to be in terms of trying to fundamentally change, uh, making it harder, making the systems more dynamic from a security perspective, and making it harder for the attack. Yeah, you are absolutely right. But there's still a growing concern that security risk detection approaches are fighting yesterday's wars. And that is a challenge because, I mean, most of the approach that we have and the tools that we have to, you know, for the cybersecurity, they are not effective. And like you were saying that, you know, the, the initiative that you are working with currently is has a different approach that, you know, it doesn't allow hackers to, you know, stay there for more than a few minutes. And... Uh, they have to continuously log in. I mean, not log in. Sorry, continuously hack in, mm -hmm. so that uh, they, you know, it it doesn't give them enough time to gather intelligence or gather or steal anything or steal intellectual property or whatever they are after. So, uh, there there are many different uh, challenges, and you know, most of the security tools that I have seen that are, you know, probably fighting yesterday's war. So there is a need for new tools, new security tools. And uh, I look forward to, you know, more tools like that you have developed so that this, it helps the security community, you know, achieve their goals uh, in a uh, more confident manner. So now while there is a growing acknowledgement that the Internet of Things needs to be built from the bottom up with a security first architecture, only some vendors are beginning to take the issue seriously and progress is sluggish and standards are moving very slowly to head of the emerging cybersecurity threats. This is a cause of concern when it comes to Internet of Things. What are your thoughts? 
Absolutely. I think uh, Internet of Things is going to make the problem, uh, you know, <laughs> a lot worse, right? Clearly, uh, because like you said, there's really no standards around, uh, you know, how things are being developed on Internet of Things, right? So, uh, and, and and then, uh, so that is a scary. As a security professional, that scares me. Uh, because now the amount of th vectors that are out there to attack various systems and, you know, the, especially with Internet of Things, uh, uh, you know, with everything being so interconnected, uh, it gets very problematic. I think one uh, example I can talk about is on the healthcare. Health IT in terms of especially medical devices, uh, I mean, you know, this problem has existed for a while now. Health, uh, medical devices, whether it's your MRI machine or your X-ray machine, have run commodity operating systems, right? A lot of these are running old Windows XP-based systems, for example. Uh, they are not being upgraded because the uh, the the upgrade or uh, patching is the responsibility of the vendor, right? Even though it is fairly easy for me as the owner of a lab, for example, to be able to patch it, the vendor of these devices have to patch it. And there is some controversy saying that if I patch my device, then I have to go back for a recertification from the FDA. So there is some sort of a misunderstanding, you know, whatever games that are being played. That is a huge challenge, right? There is because you have pacemakers which are connected to the internet now. So bad guy it's now can actually in, uh, can get in and do really bad things, right? Now, that is an example of internet of things. Now, you can only now with everything being connected, that is going to get so much worse. Uh, you're depending upon lots of people. Who's going to patch these things, okay? Your refrigerator is going to be connected to the internet. Whose responsibility is patching? When does it get patched? Uh, you know, you, this is, so, well, it sounds great though, but these are all things that potentially will come back and haunt us in the future, if you're not careful about it. <laughs> there are huge security challenges and we have to start uh, taking this very seriously from uh, right now. And you know, uh, the, the lack of, I think the lack of global body, global institution that should be there, you know, looking into this kind of affairs, because this is not just, you know, Internet of Things is not just for United States or Europe or, you know, Asia or, you know, different regions like that it's uh, it's for everyone each and every single nation each and every single industry so uh, there is a very critical need for a you know global uh, entity to look into these matters to develop standards to define you know different uh, frameworks uh, secure frameworks while we have an ist uh, and they are doing you know a good work on some fronts there it is still you know very uh, incomplete there is a lot more that needs to be done to make the security architecture framework or to make sure that you know internet of things and everything that is you know developing coming our way so rapidly that we are developing that in a secure fashion and that you know uh, we are not going too fast into the development which would come back and haunt us you know like you said so uh, that is a challenge but uh, we have to keep educating people we have to keep you know having this dialogue so that uh, we can raise awareness about these critical issues now there is a growing belief that all software companies and uh, data rich uh, software as a service companies in particular will need to go through a paradigm shift over the next few years as a Perimeter defense of the wall companies put around a solution only go so far. What what are your thoughts about that? 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think uh, the more and more it's sort of become a data-driven society, right? We are collecting data all over the place and all our devices and everywhere else, and people for using it for all sorts of uh, you know uh, reasons. So, and a lot of people are just not aware, you know, even on mobile devices, mobile applications, people are not aware uh, what are they storing and how are they, are they are, is it being stored in a secure way or is the data being transmitted? Is your application that you downloaded from you know is it transmitting your location? Do you know that's transmitting your location? The fact that it's um, in the application, the application is on, doesn't matter. It, this could be running in the background and transmitting a location. I mean, there are all of these uh, challenges right, that a lot of people are just not aware of. Uh, and so this notion that we're going to have sort of this you know, defense in depth, that's sort of, I think, old-fashioned, outdated. I think you really need to be very much more careful and ask some questions around, you know, in, as, me as a consumer, uh, I think we need to get a lot smarter around this because we want, like I said, it, we want the we want the new thing, we want the bright shiny thing, but we also need to be asking some tough questions around security around you know these providers, especially the SaaS providers and all these providers that are providing us making sure you have the right controls. Who has access to my data, right? If I'm using, like you said, data as a service, who's got access to my data? What controls? So who or who's looking at it? I mean, these are questions we typically don't ask. Hey, it's cheaper. This per, uh, you know. Dropbox is cheaper than that. I'm going to go there. But are you asking these questions? So consumers need to be a little more, you know, need to be more knowledgeable about these things. Yeah. Very true. Now, Ananda, for I mean, I have uh, come across some reports that says that there are some organizations that are uh, revamping and redesign, redesigning their entire, you know, architecture of you know their software or their system that they have been working with. Are you seeing any indication that enterprises are redesigning the entire architecture? And development of a business system to be secure first. Uh, not in a. I mean, again, it comes down to the cost, probably, right? Again, the, here is the, the. Ultimately, I do. I mean, there are clearly there are companies which are making those sort of uh, decisions to revamp this, uh, and, and but I do also see it's not happening in any kind of a broad way, though. Uh, it is still pretty. Because of the cost, the cost is still humongous. I mean, there's a lot of dependence still on legacy systems. There are a lot of legacy systems lying around, and there's still a mentality: if it's not broken, you know, don't fix it, right? If it's working, and and there's still there is a lot of uh, you know ostrich mentality wherein they want to, hey, I'm, as long as I've not been hacked, so maybe I'm safe. You'll be amazed. <laughs> yes, yes. So much of that thinking is still there, unfortunately. You know, and the only way I guess that's going to change is they get hacked, and you know, then there is uh, this thing I, I guess. But uh, people are still very reluctant to fundamentally. Uh, we need to go do this in a different way. Uh, I that, don't is that is unfortunate. I, I think you know probably uh, what would wake up each and every entity who is working with softwares or developing softwares is when there are liability claims coming their way uh, because of the you know security vulnerabilities that uh, were there in the softwares that they develop when. The insurance companies and when the you know liability claims start coming in, then I think everyone will wake up and uh, uh, they will start taking security more uh, seriously. But do you think that uh, even at that point, even at that point when each and every enterprise will have the, do you think they will have the ability to rethink security from the ground up? Because for those businesses who have already have their products in the market, how do they achieve security first? You know. If they have to redesign their whole you know, software and relaunch that, yeah, I mean, yeah, you said that you know it's the right now because a lot of people are not interested, a lot of entities are not interested because of the cost, you know, challenges. But once the you know once they understand that the liability claims that 
would come their way in the coming you know years would be probably much more than the cost that they are thinking about right now in the development or you know uh, revamping their security then probably they will start thinking but at that point will it be possible for them to you know develop that from the bottom up i think that's a great question though right i think that's where sort of uh, well i mean clearly the cyber insurance market is uh, still in its infancy uh you know in terms of they're still not quite figured out i think in terms of how do the how do you quantify the loss at this point right sort of varies and still struggling but you're right i think that's the future in terms of um, uh who's responsible which piece of software is responsible right uh, so for example when the uh, uh when the uh, the security researchers hacked the chrysler car so it turned out the reason they were able to get into the chrysler car was through the uh, through the speaker system right there was a piece of the software running the speaker system in the car had a vulnerability that they were able to uh you know take advantage of getting in the car now so now okay it's very challenging now right it, that's an interesting area to go okay do you sue the car company do you sue the <laughs> the speaker company whose responsibility is um but potentially like you say that will have the effect uh, it can go both ways one it may take away people will start a lot more careful when developing software you can also argue that's going to make it a lot more restrictive in terms of uh, new innovation coming out because people are so worried about lawsuits coming out uh, but on the other hand you will also see a greater emphasis so i think we have yet to see how this is all going to sort of play itself out <laughs> but those these are interesting times as to some of these things are panning out yes, absolutely absolutely it's going to be very uh, interesting to see how you know everything gets balanced because the liability claims are going to come it's yeah. just a matter of time and yeah. we'll, uh, innovation is happening so rapidly yeah. in every sector in every industry so we'll have to see how each one of them you know each entity how they you know respond to those liabilities and uh, how they you know decide to take the step forward and how they decide and uh, uh, join in the efforts to make cyber you know space secure so that is the most uh, important thing right now and we'll have to see how that happens but now the rapid innovations in technology and processes in the cyberspace and the industry's ability to execute it effectively is outpacing security that impacts not only cyberspace but also geospace and space there is a growing fear that security vulnerabilities in technology brings nations critical risk of cyber attacks massive incidents of data fraud or theft along with massive digital information and misinformation while digital technology has the potential to bring both good and bad does the industry acknowledge and address the growing security challenges and risk you know on the whole do you see that you know the industry is thinking about that you know that okay because of the things that we are developing because of the softwares we are developing because of uh, how we are moving forward in the cyberspace that we are creating this huge huge security challenges and you know it, it is it ha that would have a potential of you know destroying few nations probably or pro probably you know collapsing uh, few nations or businesses you know are they thinking from that perspective not as much as you hope uh, i think i mean clearly it's changing clearly there are people are thinking people are taking security a lot more seriously than they ever did so clearly that there, there is a trend towards that but your point though people are still not thinking uh, not thinking though it's still you know uh, like you said because of the uh, in the accountability aspect of it the you know there is no right now you know there is in terms of fi financial impact that potentially one has for a company 
you know, it's still it's not there. So and and there is no entity out there, uh, you know, whether it's government organization or anything, uh, sort of imposing certain uh, rules or restrictions, right? So. You know, uh, it should be a lot faster, like you make the point, because we are having some really bad people out there uh, who are getting smarter on some of these things, uh, you know, and who can potentially, you know, do really bad things. So I think we should be looking at this a lot more seriously. Uh, uh, but uh, right now, yeah, it's slow. It's, it's slow progress. Uh, it's progress, but it's slow. And like you said, that unless, you know, when entities, uh, when organizations get hacked, that's where they start thinking about security. And that is very unfortunate. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that is the state right now, you know, across the industry. And uh, we just have to, you know, make more effort to create the awareness and urgency about this, you know, developing security, you know, as a part of integral part of the software development. But now, as the information and communication technology continues to increase in strategic importance, the rapid development and deployment of these digital technologies create both independent and interdependent security risk for each component of a nation, its government, industries, organization, academia. Because what you are developing, you know, it's not just the you know risk that will come to your organization, but also it has interdependencies because of the you know interrelationship and interconnectivity. So those in in the interdependent risk you know are out there but the nature of security risk varies by the environment of the initiative entity or a nation both internal and external what are the challenges you see facing critical infrastructure across industries that is becoming a cause of concern to not only its current state but also the survivability of the nations and the global community Yes, I think you're right. I mean, uh, critical infrastructure is uh, whether you're looking at your, uh, you know, you know, gas and you know, uh, what do you call? Uh, I'm sorry, your electric uh, grids and with uh, more and more, you know, uh, smart grids and everything else and everything being inter uh, interconnected. Clearly, is a huge challenge, though. But unfortunately. Uh, uh, you know, and you have your old uh, sort of a SCADA systems, <laughs> which are still uh, uh, not much has been done in those areas to actually protect them. Uh, and there's a lot of research going on a bit that uh, in terms of uh, uh, making sure these are safe. But uh, right now, I think we have huge challenges in terms of, and there is, I don't see any sort of, a, I mean, the government has, there is a lot of movement towards addressing some of these things uh, in terms of how new systems should be built in terms of, uh, you know, building new uh, innovation into things like SCADA systems, for example, uh, or smart grids, for example, as to how we protect them. Uh, you know, they're all a lot of these things, right? Com commodity operating systems, right? And there is sort of the processes around, you know, when do you patch them? How do you patch them? Uh, who has access to it? How do you, you know, all of those things are challenges that, uh, as far as I can tell, it, it, people don't, uh, it doesn't, doesn't have a firm grasp on some of these things. Yes, yes, you are right. Now, all of the technological advances that are helping to make the world a better place also colludes to create one of the biggest threats that nations is government industries organizations academia and individuals alike will face in the years to come huge amounts of sensitive data is coming online virtually every aspect of our lives are or will be online it's not just the photos we share on social media but most of our personal information including our financial and healthcare, uh, is being stored in software systems somewhere else while being able to access all of these data has made our lives easier and enabled many software as a service companies to deliver, deliver greater value 
it is all it has also exposed all of us to some huge security risk how do we ensure security from your perspective i mean there are many many different factors i mean there are independent risks there are interdependent risks there are no global standards right now there are no stand global frameworks that are security is not given a priority amidst all of this chaos around us how do we ensure security if you have to tell your client that okay you know they hire you that okay help us make our you know initiative or efforts you know secure what would you tell them yeah so i think uh, i think we have to start with the education right i think people need to ask the right questions right don't assume right you need to ask like i said if you're going with the like you say it's everything's available everything's connected make sure that you're asking the right questions from your vendor saying that who's access to this uh, information is it encrypted what is the standard of encryption that you're using uh you know in uh, and then you know who has access to the data is the you know for example if it's classified you know if it's personally identifiable information if it's health information uh how do i ensure that the people who have access i mean first of all you know you know does your people maintaining the system do they have access to the data why should they have access to the data i mean it should be only mine who has the keys uh in, even if it's encrypted you know all of those things uh, these are things that people should ask some of these questions to ensure and i also think uh, i also teach uh, teach uh, teach uh, kids <laughs> when they go to facebook or you know don't don't put your um, picture of your driver's license on facebook i mean there are small things like that so there is a lot of education that needs to occur there has to be things around you have to ask the tough questions around vendors in terms of what security means and what how things are being stored you have to ask those questions uh and also i i think uh, we also need to sort of uh, you know don't uh, be a little more minimalistic i think <laughs> you know it's uh, it's great cloud is great everything's great i mean it's all going towards there but uh, don't just assume things anymore you know think about this right i mean so um you know in fact we want to make the easy choices we want to be able to everything we want uh, what we call the easy button uh, sometimes the easy button is going to get you into a lot of trouble so i would make sure that <laughs> you're yes. asking all those questions right i mean that's i mean it, my point is look when you go uh, you know store you know when you go to a bank and store your money in a bank and you ask a lot of questions i mean these, sort of these things are have financial impact on people's lives ask the same questions don't just assume i'm just going to go store the stuff here because uh, you know yeah. there's a lot of information there which is valuable to a lot of people <laughs> all right absolutely right so i think we are going to uh, conclude our session here with this point of discussion uh security touches everything it correlates to every corner of the network architecture from uh, and software in architecture from servers and data centers to end users and mobile applications in spite of that security has long been viewed as largely removed from product or system development and instead mostly or an operational concern by high growth software companies and this is a cause of concern when security is removed from development it can easily become an afterthought that is focused on at the last minute or when a breach occurs and that is a very uh, sad state you know of uh, reality right now the where how the softwares are developed and how security is given just an afterthought and in uh, uh, not much attention or focus is given on the security so the risk group cyber security risk research center and strategic security risk research center are created for the very 
uh, you know, the, the, for the very needs that we can collectively identify, evaluate, and manage the security risk facing nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia in cyberspace, geospace, and space. And we can have key executives like Ananta, you know, to come and have a dialogue with us so that we can, you know, collectively together we can identify what are the security challenges that we are facing and what are the different, you know, ways we can, you know, come up with uh, different, you know, measures or different mitigation uh you know strategies or different ways to manage those risks uh, so this is our effort towards you know creating better awareness better education so that we can collectively uh work together to make our cyberspace secure so that we can have uh better you know opportunities for innovation better opportunities for growth and advancement so uh, ananta thank you so much for taking time to come and have a dialogue with us and to uh, spend or you know uh, to share your invaluable thoughts about you know how we can go forward and uh, what are the different you know security challenges and what your efforts towards the developing the initiative that we just talked at the beginning about uh, uh, the security so that hackers do not have much time to collect more in, uh, you know data or intelligence or whatever they're trying to steal so uh, we would like to you know have more information in the coming uh, months about your efforts and how that software and how that product that you have developed uh, the technology that you have developed how that is being you know welcomed across nations and how much difference it is making uh, most importantly how much difference it is making so uh, ananta thank you so much for coming and sharing all your thoughts uh, on risk roundup and we hope that in future you come again uh, and uh, share your uh, share some more you know information about your efforts and initiatives and we would really like that absolutely jeffrey thank you it was a pleasure and thanks for the opportunity for allowing me to talk to you today greatly appreciate it Thank you, Ananta. So let's manage the existing and emerging risks together. For more information on Risk Roundups, to watch the Risk Roundup videos or to hear the Risk Roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com. Uh, do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayashree Pandya, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. I'll see you next time.